we better jump in here and get started. I've got quite a bit to cover this morning. I want to want to start by just making a statement here. Listen, confidence and humility are not antonyms. So think about that for just a moment. What I just said, confidence and humility are not antonyms. And the reason I say that is because if someone has confidence, it doesn't mean that they're prideful. Uh, now, if they're if confidence goes, you know, too far and you know who you are, hey, I'm just kidding. Uh, if confidence goes too far, there's no doubt it can come off as pride and that type of thing. But I, I want to tell you, uh, the reason I start this morning with that is because I think so oftentimes we feel like humility is quietness. Humility is, um, is, is the same thing as repentance in some ways, that, that if we're just quiet, if we just uh, kind of, cower down to some degree what happens with christianity today is is so many of us aren't taking the stand one because we don't feel confident in our belief or in our faith and because of that and and we can also substitute it and just say we're humble and so today i'm going to talk to you a little bit about that because i see that as a problem not just among men but among church members we are listening to a culture and we're we're being told who and what and how we can believe and so how do we stand up to that? What does it look like when we have confidence in our faith and confidence in who we are and who Christ made us to be? So let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer, and we'll jump right in. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, and I pray that as we, as we uh, compare these two words, Father, confidence and humility, Father, help us to see that they're, they're a both and, that as we're humble in you, then the strength of you comes out, and that's confidence. Uh, Lord, if, if Paul, if the Apostle Paul weren't confident in who he was, there's no way he would have accomplished the ministry at hand that he was called to do. And Father, that's for each one of us. So Lord, let us find our confidence in you and in that our humility as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I'm going to talk to you about life without limits in a way that, that uh, we can have confidence, we can be assured in who we are and what we were created for. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26 we find out that with God all things are possible. And, and, and if you know anything about uh, FCA and kind of their favorite verse, what is it? FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. That might help. There you go. Audie, I knew you would be here this morning. I knew we'd get the answer, right? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So we should have some type of confidence just from reading the Scriptures and understanding the Scriptures. And we can quote these scriptures, and we hang them up in our kids' rooms, but do we really believe it? Have you ever experienced them? Men, we believe that God can do anything. We just don't believe that he can do anything through us. That's a tough statement. But so oftentimes we say, well, I'm just a church member. <laughs> You're a son of the Most High King. You're not just a anything. You were created for his plan, for his purpose. And here's the thing, oftentimes we have this self-judgment in our life, this critical way of thinking, and through that critical way of thinking, we believe that it's, it's a humble way of thinking. But what happens with it is it steals our confidence. And it really, if you boil it all out, it's self-judgment. It's a self-judgment. And self-judgment can be very de detrimental to your witness here on this earth. <laughs> See, here's the thing. If I look at judgment <clears throat> as a whole, if I judge you, I hinder or limit God's ability to work in your life. But you know why? Because I won't listen to you. Because I've got a judgment against you. I mean, how many of us listen to those who, who we have a judgment against? We really don't. You're not going to speak truth into my life. Here's why. Because I've already judged it. 
So you've already lost, in my opinion. Uh, by judging me, I hinder or limit the truth of God's word and, and his finished work of the cross in my own life. So when I judge me, when I feel like I'm not worthy, when, when I feel like I'm not forgiven, when I feel like I've not done enough, then what happens is I limit my own and God's ability in my own life to do his work in me. See, it's in a twi twisted point of view, we ultimately judge God, rendering him powerless to work in our lives because here's what we say, the finished work of the cross is not enough. And so we don't have confidence. Now, if you truly believe that the finished work of the cross were enough for you, then you would say, you know what, I'm on that team and I'm playing for this team and, and, and I'm gonna work on my position. And you've heard me say that many times over. God is omnipotent, he's all-powerful, but in his infinite wisdom, he has chosen to put us in charge of our lives to some degree. You got to hear me. <laughs> he, he has chosen in his infinite and omniscient power, he said, you know what, I created you for a purpose, and the scripture says that he hopes in us for that purpose. If you need to know where that is, that's Ephesians chapter 4. All right, But he's hoping in us that we find that purpose. And as we do, that we'll become confident and, and assured and reassured in who we are in him. So we only get his power in our lives when we surrender to his way. That is true. And let's, let's look at how we can become powerful men. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus is teaching at Nazareth. Jesus went out from there and came into his own hometown, and his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach. He began to teach them, and I know he did. Oh, it's on the back. <laughs> In the synagogue, and many listeners were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things, and what is this wisdom given to him? And such miracles that he's performed in his hands. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and among his own, home rel and his own relatives and in his own household. And he could do no miracle there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them and he, wa and he wondered at their unbelief. This is interesting because it said he could do no miracles except heal some people. Some of us would be satisfied with that, right? I mean, that sounds like that's a good deal to me, but it wasn't a good deal to Jesus because he knows through their judgment he's limited on what he can perform and how he can perform. You guys see that? You know, it's interesting. He said a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown, and I, I preached in Plainview this, this past Sunday. That's where I was and, uh, at the harvest there, and I told him about preaching in Cress once, preached a revival in Cress, and I said there was a woman that came up to me, and she simply said, she said, uh, oh, you would have made a fantastic preacher if you wouldn't have been such a bad boy. <laughs> See, J Jesus was limited by people's judgments. And listen, you may be too. You may be too. If you have judgment against someone else or if you have judged yourself incorrectly. And I, I really hated to use the word judgment coming in here this morning. But I want us to recognize that I, I don't know how we substitute it. Because here's what I think. I think because of judgment and criticism, we tend to shrink back is the way the scriptures put it. And because we shrink back, we're no longer confident in the message of Christ that he's given us. Um, and, and, and there's no doubt everyone suffers from it. Jesus said, hey, my own hometown suffered from it. Because of their judgment, I could do no miracles. Oh, yeah, I healed a few. But it really did interfere. And here's why. Because it interfered with their belief. 
It wasn't his belief, his faith, his ability. It was theirs. <clears throat> the Israelites, let's talk about them, Numbers 13, 25 through 33. Now, you've heard this story. It's, I don't think it's anything that's going to shock you. You've probably heard this, Numbers 13, 25 through 33, the spies report, right? When they returned from spying out the land, so they're going into the promised land. Uh, you remember Moses said, hey, why don't some of you go over there? And uh, a couple of them come back and say, hey, we can take it. It's ours. And the rest of the 10, there were 12 that were sent over and said, oh, no, man, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. This is the story. When they returned from spying out the land at the end of the 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the sons of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and at Kadesh. And they brought back word to them, to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up, this, up, up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report, of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight as well. The Israelites were limited, look, by their own judgments of themselves. They just simply limited. Now here's what God said. I've got a promised land for you. It's flowing with milk and honey. Now you guys uh, go over and take it. It's, it's for you. It wasn't for its current inhabitants, all the ites, right, and their cousins, and their cousins' cousins. It's really not for them. I've got it set apart for you. Now you need to take confidence and go get it. But when they went and spied it out, they came back and said, we can't. It's just too big. It's too massive. It's too too unbearable we would go in there and, and and we would be like grasshoppers in their sight see here's the thing God had promised this land to the Israelites but they didn't see themselves as God saw them they didn't accept God's judgment or God's approval they listened to something other than God holding on to a view and opinion that violated God's view and opinion God promised Canaan to the Israelites but they had judgments about themselves that limited God they saw themselves like grasshoppers compared to the enemy the Israelites judged their enemy as undefeatable, and here's why. Because the enemy seemed bigger and, than what they could overcome and bigger than what God could do for them. In other words, the enemy seemed bigger in their sight than their own God. You know, that's what separated David, by the way, men. It's because when David recognized the giant, what did he say? Well, uh, yeah, you big, but uh, my God will surely give me your head this day. So it's not in my strength. David was a confident young man. He might have driven some of us crazy. Very confident in who his God was and how big his God was and is, right? So here's the truth. The, the Israelites, um, they, they wandered around the mountain, right? They judged their enemy as undefeatable. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So right here he says, look, there's victory given to those who have the faith in their God. 
So why are we not confident, men? Why would we ever shrink back from an argument that the culture would bring our way? We shouldn't. Romans 8, 31, what shall we say to these things then? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are rendered as sheep being led to the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, or depth, nor anything else created would be able to separate us from the love of our God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what he's saying, this is the, the Apostle Paul who eventually would serve Jesus to his death, to the point of his death. And he's saying, hey, but we're more than conquerors. Why would we shrink back if we would remember these truths about our God, our Lord, our Savior? See, later in the Israelite story, Moses dies and Joshua picks up the conquest of Canaan as he leads God people, God's people into the promised land. All the judges, watch, and all the self-judgers, all those who said we can't, in other words, they have passed away by this time. And now Joshua is able to tap into the limitless power of God. He possesses the land. He drives out the enemy. Look, not all of us have the calling or opportunity to slay giants like king david did not all of us will be able to lead a great army into the promised land like joshua or preach to thousands like the apostle peter but you probably don't and you may not even have a rags to riches story either but i'm telling you that men when we are confident in our humility those two as they come together like i said they're not antonyms but when we are confident in our humility, in our weakness where he is made strong, in our faith, when we're confident there, then we live a limitless life in Christ Jesus. There are no limits. Here's why. Because your God's bigger than any problem than you ha- that you have. And let's take it beyond problems. Your God is bigger than any victory that you have. You ever think of him that way? That our God is a God of victory? And so we have these massive victories in our life and we think, man, it couldn't get any better. And God said, oh, wait a second, son. I want it to be 10 times. I want it to be 30, 60, 100-fold better. See, sometimes we settle is my point. We settle for less than God's best. And we think, man, it's really good here. But what God wants us to see is it can be great there with him, in him. See, have you ever thought maybe a limitless life looks something as, it's as simple as having a wholehearted marriage in which both husband and wife are open, engaging, supportive, and loving? Maybe, maybe having a, a freedom in Christ, a, limit, a limitless life looks like getting out of debt, succeeding where others have been afraid to venture, reaching your potential by developing your gifts, using them to serve God and his people. Maybe a limitless life means that you'll be able to stop drinking so that you can be the husband to your wife and a dad to your kids. Staying reliably connected to the family and friends when your tendency is to avoid relationships. You know, sometimes that's hard for me. I, I, I had a, a meeting last night with, a, uh, with an old friend of mine, and as we were talking, I was, uh, we were standing outside. And I said, you know, uh, sometimes I'd rather talk to a tree than people. And I don't know what my problem is. 
and and uh, we were visiting, and and uh, here in a minute, he said, "Well, you know, Curtis, probably just being around people all the time, <laughs> the tree is more peaceful." <laughs> I said, well, "Maybe that's the problem, right?" But but it's not that it's necessarily a problem. It's just sometimes it's a it's it's the wantingness to disconnect, and I think every man has it, even when God says, no, I need you to connect. I, I need you to be confident in who you are and go ahead and connect where, where sometimes it's uncomfortable and it's uneasy. See, maybe it's simply this, living a life in the arena than, than being a spectator in the stands. Maybe it's understanding confidence and humility are closer to synonyms than antonyms. And I do think that's true. I really do. I have in here share the example of of the man wanting to be baptized. A few years ago, I was pastoring Happy Texas, uh, in Happy Texas, and uh, had a man call me, and he was kind of in a panic, in distress. He was probably 50 years old at the time. I was young, probably 30, 31 years old, and he called, and he said, hey, I need you to baptize me. I said, okay, well, you know, uh, I don't baptize. Jesus does the baptize. I know, I know, but I've got to be baptized uh, today. And this is in the wintertime. I mean, it's cold outside, and I said, well, Man, it's going to take me some time to get the tank, you know. And I said, and I was honest with this man. I said, I don't think our tank's big enough. This guy was big, 400 pounds big. I don't know, but big and, and tall to go with it. And I said, you know, I don't know that our tank up there, let me. And he said, no, 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 uh, where are you at right now? I said, I'm at Wayside. He said, okay, I'm going to meet you at the Cedar Canyon turnoff. And I want to be, I'm calling the Bryans and see if we can get in that stock tank right there on the corner. I said, okay, uh, so I, I uh, get off the phone with him. I'm praying. And I said, Lord, I don't know. I can pull that guy out of the water. That's a big old boy. About that time, no kidding, my phone rings in my pickup, and it's Steve Friskip. And Steve goes, hey, where you at? And I said, well, man, I'm, I'm about to baptize this big old fella. He's driving out here to meet with me. He's got to be baptized. The Lord spoke to him, so he's got to be baptized now. And he said, well, uh, man, I love you, man. You've always got something going. I'm I'm coming. I'm going to be there. He said, I was going through happy anyway, and that's why I called. So he comes out there, all three of us stripped down to our underwear. <clears throat> I mean, in the middle, you've been probably at that corner where I'm talking about. <clears throat> we walked out there to that stock tank, and we stepped in there, and, it, and no joking, that, that water turned warm. Or maybe it was just so cold outside, I don't know. I like to believe it was God's hand, his miraculous power. And we baptized him out there. <clears throat> and it was, it was interesting because uh, what we saw was the power of God just working that man's life and working our lives. You know, we got dressed and we all hugged each other and got ready to go our own separate ways from there. And we realized something, we're all dry. It's just amazing how when we're obedient to God and God is bigger than our circumstance, that he'll provide the things you need in order to walk out of that circumstance and go on with life in the way that we're supposed to go on with life. I've never forgotten that. It was a special moment in my own life where I saw just the simple become the miraculous, right? But you got to be confident in who you are, and you got to help others be confident in who they are. And if you're self-critical or if you're critical of them, if you have a judgment against them, then don't look for God to move in your life with them. It's not going to happen. So believing who you are in Christ is essential. It's essential for personal development. And we've got to guard our hearts. Learn to embrace the truth of who you are in Jesus. Men, we say it all the time. There's no substitute for Jesus and his word. Learn to reject any thought, any voice, any opinion or accusation that conflicts with God's approval of us in Christ Jesus. 
you got to reject those voices. Satan's speaking too. And he wants to drown out your confidence in Christ. And when we ask God to begin to remove these voices, these deceptive limits, judging others, self-judgment, our self-image becomes transformed into God's perception of us. And we can see ourselves in Christ empowered by his grace. This is what the Lord's looking for. He's looking for men who want to be empowered by him, to see the natural encounter the supernatural. And that happens, men, when we're confident in our faith in Christ Jesus. So ask him to remove those negative voices in your, in your mind, in your hearts. Take those out. You are enough. If you weren't, he wouldn't have had you born. You are enough, and you're here this morning, and you've, you've come in through the blood of Christ. And because of that, now you may say, well, what about my weaknesses? What about the areas that I'm so weak? What about where I failed? What about where I failed yesterday, where I failed last night? What about my tongue? The tongue is, is, is just going crazy right now. What about my wife? She just won't listen to me. <laughs> Careful with those judgments. <clears throat> you know, those are your weaknesses, and that's where you've got to pray for God to make you strong. But it doesn't mean you can't be confident in who you are and who you're created to be. Because the truth is, God wants you to experience fulfillment every moment of your life. Whether And, and look, when I say experience fulfillment, Paul experienced fulfillment behind bars in the prison, right? But he, his life was still fulfilled. I believe that if the Apostle Paul were to come back today, you know what he'd do? The same thing he did back then. I don't, I don't see it changing much, Right? But God wants us to learn what it means to experience love in a deeper way, your relationships, how to experience them in a richer way, life, life to be rewarding. Because when, when we see that and we take our confidence, then the deaf, maybe they could begin to hear. And maybe the lame could walk. Maybe the blind could see. Maybe the sick could be made well. And this is what it looks like when we take off the limits in Christ Jesus, men. When we take off the limits, when we stop the self-criticism as well as the the judgment of others, and we begin to walk in the truth because that's what unlocks the limitless life that we have available in him. You have some questions in front of you. Uh, I don't think they'll take you long this morning. Pretty short message. I hope you gleaned something out of it. There's a lot of scripture, a lot of things to think about, though, within this message. Remember that confidence and humility are not antonyms. They're far closer to being synonyms when we do that in Christ Jesus. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for these men. Lead us now in Jesus' name. Amen.